Let's talk some hoop with Dan Favali from Bleacher Report and Hardwood Knox. Um, a team that I'm always struggling when I make my bets to think, could this team actually win it all is the Phoenix Suns, right? On paper, there's no reason they can't. And I think I'm over the season on that team. What say you about Kevin Durant's latest squad? Are they good? Are they okay? Can they actually win it all? They, they're they really good when they're at full strength, which they have yet to be this season, basically. And I think the key for them is going to be, one, are those three guys healthy at the same time? Because that solves a lot of their offensive issues organically. But then, two, what happens when you're starting to mix and match outside of your top five guys? And I have concerns about how the playoff defense specifically will hold up. They've been okay with Nurk on the floor this year, but you got to fill minutes elsewhere. And, Nur- and Nurkic also isn't what I would call a matchup-proof center defensively in the playoffs. And so I think if they can get some sort of a more mobile or athletic backup big at the deadline, you feel a lot better about them if they're healthy. But that is such a big if at this point, given the myriad of health issues that Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant specifically have dealt with over the past half decade. It finally happened. We've been waiting. It's been like him and John Collins have been on the trade block for just years now, it feels like, Dan. The OG and Anobi saga is finally over. I think a lot of people thought there was going to be multiple firsts involved. We didn't get even one first, two young players. I think it's awesome for the Knicks, personally. I think it solves a lot of problems. Obviously, the depth goes down. But how much do you think that OG to the Knicks changes the landscape of the East? I think it changes the bottom of that playoff picture a lot. When you're looking at those top six seeds of teams that want to avoid the play-in, and you have Cleveland, you have Miami, and now you have New York, and there's going to be a, you know another squad in there, um, let's say the Pacers right now, or it's going to be Orlando. That really ups the stakes because you just want to avoid the play-in. And having OG, they did create another void with their shot creation and maybe some three-point volume losing IQ, but he is exactly the archetype of player the Knicks needed. And so you have to feel better if they're healthy about their playoff stock. And so if you're, you know, we know the Heat won't do anything. They dance to be their own drum. But if you're sort of the magic, if you're Cleveland dealing with all those injuries, and if you're Indiana, which is sort of, they're up and coming, but they're ready now because of Tyrese Halliburton, that has to be in the back of your mind leading into the trade deadline, if not at the four of it. And the Pacers specifically were a team that really wanted OG Ananobi. And to see him go to a team that you're competing for one of those final three non-playing spots with, is a pretty big deal. And so I think that that is where it changes it most. I still don't think it brings the Knicks anywhere near touching Philly, Boston, or Milwaukee, though. Right now, real quick follow-up about Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Sean. Philly's I'm beating the the chat. I was, just... was gonna say, Trish does Philly's beating the brakes off the Bulls. It's all you. Sorry, sorry. I was just gonna ask really about what Indiana does now because I was talking to some people, they think that Tyrese Halliburton needs another star alongside with them. Is that OG? Probably not. Pascal is being shopped for pennies on the dollar. I don't know what's happening there. Like, who is that player now that the Indiana goes after? I honestly don't know. I will say I don't think that player is readily available right now. It's where if the name comes out closer to the deadline or if they just trade for him where we didn't really hear uh, a whisper. Pascal Siakam makes some sense, especially when you look at what he can do for the Pacers when Tyrese Halliburton is off the floor. But his shooting alongside Tyrese Halliburton, that's iffy. And then do you want to take the ball out of Halliburton's hands anymore when he's actually on the floor? Probably not. They really probably could use, and we'll have to monitor what's going to go on with Brooklyn specifically, but like Mikael Bridges 
might be the name now I would circle for them. Gives you a little creation, a lot of defense, very plug-and-play. Probably not the best star to have if you want to worry about the minutes Halliburton isn't on the court. But when we're talking about the most important games of the season in the playoffs, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be on the court. And so find a star that complements his minutes first and foremost. And I just think a name we're going to hear more about leading into February 8th is Mikael Bridges. Pascal Siakam has been my cash cow when it comes to same game parlays. And recently, he's had some big nights. In fact, I had him going for 30 last night, and he went off and paid me a little bit. Trista Crick, Sports Machine, Sean Levine, talking some hoop with Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report and Hardwood Knox here on BetMGM tonight. Uh, the big game tonight in the association, Celtics laying three and a half on the road at the OKC Thunder. What do you think about tonight's game, and what do you think about the Thunder? Are they already here? I'm so excited about tonight's game. When uh, you guys had reached out to come on, I asked if we could do the 8 o'clock spot so I'd be able to take in as much of that game without interruption as possible. Uh, It is a big measuring stick, I think, for OKC because I tend to believe that they're there. Um, Minnesota has the best record in the West. I trust OKC as a playoff team more with the structure of their offense. Right now, they do feel like they need some heft or athleticism up front to pair with Chet Holmgren or maybe even just another high-volume shooter, someone like Isaiah Joe, who's going to play higher leverage minutes than Isaiah Joe. And they have the assets to go get him. They're just not a franchise that does that. And so I find myself evaluating this team as currently constructed. And right now, I don't feel great about their offense when their best players are on the court. And so they feel like a team that can win one playoff series, maybe two, if things break right. But they're also, I think, the quintessential team that is one player away from being a caps lock contender. And that player doesn't need to be a star, but if it's just someone who cracks the top seven of their rotation, I think that changes the complexion of the championship pitcher a great deal. Who would that player be? Because I look at guys like Lou Dort, who I really like, Josh Giddy. Those two feel like not expendable pieces, but maybe redundant pieces or guys that could be trade chips for a role player. Is that like somebody like Bruce Brown or like a KCP? I know you're not going to get KCP, but somebody in that ilk or like what kind of archetype of player is that? Yeah, you know, you mentioned KCP. That's interesting. And so it's just like a complete role player would really do the trick for them. Um, I think Josh Giddy is way more expendable to them than Lou Dort, but I agree with you that in the playoffs, teams aren't going to guard Lou Dort. They're not going to guard Josh Giddy at this point either. So that's something to consider. Um, I don't know the role player right now in the market that would necessarily put them over the top, but the name that they've started to be linked to, and it would cost them quite a few assets, would be a Lowry Marketing in Utah. And so kind of like that dude is closer to a star than not, but he's not this top 20 player. You add him, his rebounding, his floor spacing, his ability to just fit inside any lineup combination. And, you know, let's just say you replace Giddy with Lowry Marketing in their best five-man unit. That OKC team might then have the one of the two best five-man units in basketball and so i'd like to see them make that type of swing or even i don't hate them looking at a siakam i don't even hate them looking at dejounte murray where if you just replace giddy with dejounte murray you're a much better basketball team i don't think they're going to ultimately aim that high and so it has me wondering like you know can they look at a simone fontecchio who's been really shooting well for for utah this year just someone like that or can they go out and get a big is it an xavier tillman do they look at daniel gafford in in washington I don't think that would necessarily nudge up their championship odds a ton, but I do think it would make them deeper and a little bit scarier against top-level competition in the postseason. Ah, Laurie Markkinen, my anti-Pascal Siakam. Every time I bet on that dude, 
I think he's averaged 12 and a half points a game the three times I've bet on him this year. Three times, you're out, dude. And you're right. If he gets traded there, it'd be a really nice piece, but I'm still not betting on you, no matter what jersey you wear, my guy. Trisha Trick, Trisha Trick and me, the sports machine, talking some hoops here on the BetQL Network. The Spurs play tonight, plus 11 and a half on the road at the Grizzlies. What do you make of Victor Wembanyama's rookie year so far? Did you think he was going to be this good? Did you think he'd be a little bit better? What say you about him? By the way, he's not the favorite at BetMGM to be the MVP. That's Chet Holmgren. Or to be the rookie of the year, that's Chet Holmgren. And I would agree. There's At this point, it's going to take a complete about face from both Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama, I think, to change those odds. I've been incredibly impressed with Wemby on defense, where I believe he's really already generational, especially since they've kind of made him just the de facto big, and they're not playing with Zach Collins from the jump as much. Where I've been disappointed, and not so much in him, but with the Spurs, is let's figure out a way to put him in an optimized role on offense. And you have refused to start Trey Jones for whatever reason. I can't explain it. Go out and just get a floor general who can get him the ball closer to the basket so we can weed out even more of these 14 to 20 foot two-pointers or tasking him with too much self-creation. I'm a big believer in self-discovery when players are young and teams don't care about winning, but the Spurs are kind of veering too far away towards sensibility where they see it's not working over and over again. They see he's more efficient with Trey Jones over and over again, and yet they're not headed in that direction at all. And so I really would like to see them pick up even if it's a stopgap point guard, just to streamline what they're doing with Wembenyama on the offensive end. Yeah, I wonder if Tyus Jones, you talk about Trey Jones, but Tyus Jones, it feels like he could be gettable on the Wizards. They've got a bunch of guards, players that need developing, and that kind of feels like an odd place for him to be. Uh, Dan, why are the Lakers so mediocre? <laughs> they're Because they built a mediocre basketball team. I mean... LeBron James and Anthony Davis are spectacular, but I just can't get over. Ever since the championship year, they saw the model work, surround those dudes with as much shooting as possible, and they just don't do it. Season in, season out, they're trying to get you to trump it up. Rui Hachimura, because of what he did in the playoffs, and he guarded Nikola Jokic good for like half a possession or whatever it was. I just don't understand the team-building philosophy there. And you're coming off a Western Conference Finals appearance where you had the ability to build off it. I did like the Gabe Vincent addition. He's been injured. You couldn't necessarily have predicted that. But when you're going after taking flyers on guys like Cam Reddish or Jackson Hayes, you need to be taking flyers on more guys like Torian Prince who can shoot in volume and fairly efficiently around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, They've just thus far refused to do that. They want to prioritize guys who can make plays with the ball And if you get those guys, make sure that they can hit jumpers off the dribble or off the catch, which is why I think that they should be in on the Zach Levine sweepstakes if he's going to be available. They need that type of infusion on the offensive end, and they've just, they've punted on it every year since 2020 without fail. I don't understand it. More Levines, the better. I've always said that. More Levines we can get, there's a chance we win the championship. We're talking with Dan Favalli here on the BetQL Network, Krista Crick, and, uh, Sports machine, Sean Levine, as it is. Um, Let's keep talking about, I guess I was going to say, let's go back to that Oklahoma City and the Celtics game real quick because the Celtics right now are the favorite to win the championship. Do you think that it's them and everybody else, or do you think that anybody's on their heels right now? I don't even know if I have the Celtics in my just first tier as like that top team. I think they're there when you mention the top three or four contenders, but 
I have Denver in a class of its own still. I just need to see when they've had their best players available, what Jokic has been able to do in some big matchups. Um, just with their top six, even seven guys, Reggie Jackson's given them some good minutes. I just, I need to see someone beat them to believe it. I think they are the closest thing we have to a great dominant team right now. And even after that, I might like Minnesota, OKC, maybe even Milwaukee a little bit better than the Celtics, who just can't seem, their offense is super efficient, but they can't seem to get out of their own way sometimes in crunch time. The ball sticks, there's no rim pressure, they're making bad decisions. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned with Jason Tatum's one of the best drivers in basketball now, and him getting to the rim isn't as much of an issue. But his off-the-dribble three-pointer and jump shot has just not been as efficient over the past two years as we've been used to. That's a playoff crutch for them and something that we really need to monitor. And there's a chance that, like, you know, Kristaps Porzingis, Derek White, they've been their most efficient, maybe, you know, second and third most impactful players. That's great. It just feels like they're missing something, someone, or just a Jason Tatum efficient breakout. And so they definitely belong towards the top, but I do find the discourse around, and it's it's been mentioned time and again across all these other platforms that it's the Celtics and kind of everybody else. And I just, to me, they're kind of looped in with all the other contenders beneath Denver. That is the team in Denver that still just stands out above everyone else to me. Let them know, the Dan. Let them know. On, still on Denver. He loves Denver. I'm, I love Denver too. How can you not? That's Dan Favalli from Bleacher Report and Hardwood Knox joining us here on the BetQL Network. Great stuff as always, my guy. And that is a sweet setup you have, by the way. Thank you guys so much, and thank you for having me as always. I'll talk to you soon.